Okay. We got people dancing out in the coffee shop to the 80s music that's going on. <laughs> By people, I mean Scott. <laughs> Good morning. This is Peter John, and this is Rogue Grace. You know, I'm finding that I've forgotten a lot of things. <laughs> Being that I had brain surgery twice, I can begin to see where the effects are as I'm in the ministry again. But you know what the cool thing is? For example, reading in the book of Hebrews, it's all brand new. (laughs) I love it. It used to be that I had it basically memorized. I had most of the New Testament memorized. I did. Because I'd been in the ministry and I was raised in Pastor John's home. And I loved it. But now I'm reading things like First Peter. I'm going, wow, this is really amazing. As though I had never read it before. So instead of being bummed, I'm kind of excited that God is going to give me new perspective, probably not deeper, but new than I had before. And that's what you're kind of getting here in the book of Hebrews. Before we get into Hebrews, um, what I want to say is that Jesus is a wonderful example. He is. He is really, isn't he, the model that we look to in living life right? And how to interact with people, whether they be friends or enemies. Jesus shows us how. He is the example. But he's not just an example. He's also a teacher. No one has given us more insight to the Torah than Jesus. No one has unlocked for us the mysteries of the Old Testament, more than the Lord Jesus. He is the most wonderful teacher that this world has ever seen. You know this, so do I. But I want to say that when he was born, the angels, Gabriel, did not declare, now unto you is born a wonderful example. Nor did the angels declare, Now unto you is born a master teacher. He is those things, but that's not what they declared. They said, Unto you is born a Savior. See, I'm glad today that Jesus didn't just come as an example, nor just as a teacher. For if he had just come as those things, he would have been worthy, but I would have been guilty. (laughs) But Jesus came. Can I even say most of all? Would you mind me saying that? I think it's accurate. He came most of all to be a savior. For unto you is born this day a savior. Not a teacher not an example, although he was the best of those things that this world has ever seen. He was born unto us as a Savior. 
And Jesus loves you very much. He came to save you and redeem you. Not because you are worthy, but because he is good. So, Hebrews chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relationship to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So, also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him, who said, You are my son, today I have begotten you, and also said, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We'll be right back. your kingdom come and let your will be done and give us today all that we need and forgive our sins as we forgive each other yours is the But deliver us from the evil one And lead us not, Lord, into temptation
Again, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relationship to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that the high priest in the days of the Old Testament, in the times of Aaron and throughout his lineage, his sons, were able to not only offer gifts and sacrifice for sins, but also could relate to the people because they too had weakness, the priests did. And then he points to Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews does, when he says, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed. So Jesus, like the priests in the days of Aaron and in the days of Israel, is able to have compassion on you and me, but not because he sinned like they did. And yet he was tempted in all points like we have been. So Jesus is moved when you are tempted. Jesus has compassion on your weakness. Jesus desires to help. Listen to this. I love this scripture in Matthew. Listen to this in chapter 20. It's the last week of Jesus' life. And it says, And they went out of Jericho, and a great crowd followed Jesus. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the road. And when they had heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Jesus had compassion. He had pity on these blind men when he touched them. And Jesus has compassion on us where we are blind, where we have blind spots, where we can't see clearly, where life seems to be fuzzy. Jesus has compassion on us. We read in Hebrews, in the previous verse of our text, that he was tempted in all ways like we are. So he has compassion that we might come to his throne of grace. He's not uptight with you. He's not frustrated with me like our boss might be or our parent or our coach may be at times. Not Jesus. He has this beautiful, wonderful countenance because he has been through the same temptations that you have. Yet, without sin, it makes him your savior. So, I like what my dad said in his commentary about this. That's why Jesus is the great physician and we are the patients. In his commentary, my dad pointed out, and I love this, that the, the church is a hospital 
you know? The Rogue Valley Medical Center is really Applegate Christian Fellowship (laughs) or whatever church is of Jesus the Lord. It's the hospital for those that are hurting. And that is anyone who is being honest. Hey, we all have our limp. We all have our issues. It's not a place to come and try to show off or look great. It's a place of saying, hey, I'm limping. I know it, but Jesus is the healer. Let me point him out to you if you're limping, if you're hurting. That's the key. Jesus is the healer. He is the one that brings about eternal life and true shalom. So that's what the church is all about. Jesus being our healer and we recognizing that we need him to be just that. I'm getting patched up myself, see, both physically, but also spiritually. We are not the answer. We are not the physician. We are not the doctor. I'm getting patched up. So are you. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the physician. Jesus is the doctor. And that's what Hebrews chapter 5 is saying. Look it. Even the high priest back in the times of Moses, even the high priest during the days of Israel, he could have compassion on people because he himself had weakness. And so too, Jesus did not exalt himself, but was appointed. Now, when was Jesus appointed high priest? He goes on, the writer of Hebrews, to quote from the Psalms when he says, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You may know who Melchizedek is, or you may be saying Melchizedek who? Melchizedek is a very enigmatic and interesting character because there are three verses Three verses that are compiled for him. Three. (laughs) And yet, the New Testament is saying that is the basis of our entire salvation through our high priest, Jesus Christ. That he comes from the order, he comes from the lineage of Melchizedek. And then he's going to go on to say, I wish I could explain this to you, but you don't have the ability. You're dull of hearing. So we won't explain it now, but the great thing is, in chapter 7, he goes right into Melchizedek. It's like he cannot help himself. I love that. I'm not going to talk to you about Melchizedek, the writer of Hebrews says. You can't handle it. You're dull of hearing. And then he talks about Melchizedek. Cool. But to say right now is this, is that Jesus Christ is able to be our high priest because he has been tempted like we have, yet without sin. So he can have compassion. He can relate to us. He knows what we're going through. You see there, in the Gospels, in Mark 14, in the Gospel accounts, Jesus said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. 
Now, Jesus is able to relate to us because we pray the same thing in so many words. Lord, deliver me from this. Heal me of that. Help me through this. But get get this. Come on. I, I just want you to listen for a minute here. And that is, check it out. Was the cup passed from Jesus? No, he took it. Even though he prayed that it might be passed from him if it's God's will. Seemingly though, because three days later he rose again from the dead. So, God answered his prayer. Jesus received what he had asked for. Father, let this cup pass from me. A cup of death. Yes, it just wasn't exactly the way that he had asked, so to speak. It wasn't that he was spared of the cross because he wasn't, but he was spared of death. He was saved from the grave. And so too, when you pray, Father, let this cup pass from me. It may or may not be the way that you intended or had prayed for in your mind, but it will be perfect and it will be answered and God will accomplish it. God answers our prayers. And most often, it's not in the way that we had pictured, but like this perfect example of Jesus, it's even greater, even better. Lord, let this cup pass from me, he prayed. Maybe it wasn't passed from him in the way that he was thinking at that moment, but because he was obeying the Father, the cup of death not only passed from him, but passed from him throughout eternity. God does more. We'll be right back.
So listen, again, Jesus prayed to the Father that the cup would pass from him, the cup of, of total destruction, as it were, incredible suffering would pass from him. And guess what? This is what I like. This is what I like to think about. That prayer was answered. Just not in the exact way that Jesus had been thinking at that moment or praying, although that prayer was perfect. It was also answered perfectly. Because listen, here in Hebrews chapter 5, listen. Verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayer and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And listen to this. He was heard because of his reverence. So in the days of his flesh, when he was living on this earth, Jesus with loud cries and tears offered prayer and supplications to him, God, who is able to save him from death. And he was heard. We read in Hebrews 5 verse 7. Think about that now. It's what I said last segment. Jesus was heard. In other words, he was spared from death. He was spared because of his tears and his crying to God. And we would say, no, he wasn't. We might say he was crucified. He was nailed to the tree. He wasn't spared, but yes, God answered his prayer in such a glorious way. It was, so to speak, even more than Jesus had prayed for. For Jesus prayed, Lord, spare my life if it's your will. And God said, I will spare your life. Maybe not in the way that you're thinking understandably right now. And God did. Beautiful. And so too in our lives. So too with me, I think, with you. God answers our prayers. And I think that the way he answers our prayers is rarely, if ever, the way that we had intended or pictured or had thought but it's even better. And it might include, well, in Jesus's case, it included a crucifixion. In my case, it might include an operation. Oh, in your case, it might include an illness or a resignation. You say, but Lord, I prayed that I wouldn't be fired or I asked you to provide and it doesn't seem like, it seems like I've been crucified right? Isn't that what Jesus could have said? And in fact, from the cross, he even cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said that. And we might pray, Lord, spare me, help me, save me. And then it doesn't seem like he did. And we say, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in fact, he's doing something even greater, better than you could have ever even imagined or thought of. Then, then Jesus, in a sense, in a sense, even realized 
when he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because three days later, God raised him from the dead. (laughs) Jesus, you're not going to die. You're going to live. And the writer of Hebrews says he was saved from death because God heard his prayers in his reverence. We go, no, he wasn't saved from death. And then you go, wait a minute. He was saved from death in the ultimate way. And you or I might say, man, I wasn't saved from that illness or that bankruptcy or that heartache. Lord, I prayed that I would be or I wanted, I didn't want to go through that. And yet I'm going through. Yeah, but God's not finished yet. It's not over. Three days later, you come out of the tomb and you go, wow, I was truly saved. I was truly blessed. God truly answered my prayer. And at the time, I didn't see it. At the time, I thought he had forsaken me. But now I see he does even greater, better than I could have imagined. You know what? Somebody needs to hear that right now. Somebody that's listening, man, you're going, you're in the middle of a grave situation. You're in the middle of a real, you feel buried And you go, God, I don't understand. You must have given up. My God, why have you forsaken me? But understand, please, just listen to this. God is answering your prayers. Maybe not in just the way that you had asked in terms of the way that you had pictured or planned. Just like maybe it could even be said of Jesus himself. When he prayed, my God, Father, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then he cried, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet God, yet God was answering his prayers, so to speak, in an even greater way than Jesus had prayed for. And so too with you right now, God is answering your prayers It might not be like you had planned, but it will be even greater. Don't give up. Don't give up on the Lord. He is not going to give up on you. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord I won't hunger anymore At His table I will feast at the table of the Lord I will feast at the table of the Lord
So let's quickly go over what we've been thinking about today. And that is that Jesus Christ is the great high priest, that the rest of us are the patients we're finding in the book of Hebrews chapter five, that though he is perfect, he relates to us because he did not exalt himself or appoint himself to be the high priest, but God the Father has done that. And as a result now, Jesus can relate to what you're going through and what I'm going through, even though he's the doctor and we are the patients, okay? He's the doctor, the rest of us are the patients. That's what my dad pointed out in his commentary and I pointed out a couple of segments ago. Listen, in the church, we're all saying, I got issues, I'm walking with the limp. Look at, let me point you to the doctor, the great physician who is healing me and can heal you too. That's the thing. And then it says that Jesus offered up prayer and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And that's what we've been considering this last segment. He was heard? Again, let me ask. He was heard because of his reverence? What are you talking about, writer of Hebrews? We might respond Jesus prayed that he would be spared from death in tears and loud cries. And he was heard because of his reverence. He was crucified. He was pinned to a cross. Well, then that must mean that he was heard and his prayer was answered. And it wasn't exactly like we might have thought it to be. When Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. In a very real sense, he had to take the cup. But in another real sense, the cup of death did pass from him because he rose again. See, God could have said, the father, okay, Jesus, I will spare you from death. And that would have answered his prayer. But instead, God said, okay, Jesus, I will not just spare you from death. I will save you from death. You will rise again. (laughs) And we pray, Lord, spare me from this catastrophe or this problem. Get me out of this issue. And the Lord says, okay, I will, but I'm not going to let you not go through that. I'm going to bring you out of that. Wow. So in my case, Lord, You're going to allow me to go through um, issues, operations, Crohn's disease, stuff. Yep, but I'm going to bring you through it. Okay, that's not exactly what I had in mind when I was praying or talking to you, but I bet what you have in mind is even greater than anything I could have imagined. Amen. It's true. And so with you. The Lord is not just answering your prayers. Listen, he's answering them above and beyond anything you could have ever asked or imagined. And it will be greater, better, deeper, richer than you could have ever dreamed. 
not exactly what we prayed for, even better. Jesus prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And it wasn't exactly like he prayed, but it was even better for he rose again from the dead. Awesome. So we just covered Hebrews chapter five, verse one to verse seven. And we made one small reference to Melchizedek. The only reason I made a small reference instead of a large or an in-depth one is because the point of this reference to Melchizedek is, I can't get into this with you. (laughs) That's what the writer is saying. And yet he will. So in chapter seven, we will get more into Melchizedek. And I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, all you need to realize is that Jesus Christ, he himself offered up prayer with crying and tears, and he was saved from death because God heard his reverence, we are told in Hebrews 5 verse 7. And your prayers with tears, with crying, God is answering. Maybe not in the way that you had pictured, and that's good because it will be even better. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. And I'm looking forward, if the Lord doesn't come back tonight, to being back on the air with you tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in to KAPL. Be blessed by all kinds of wonderful things that we're having here with our music and with the teaching of the word that takes place. Thank you for your support. God bless.